0: Welcome to the Pure Podcast with House Smith and Mr. Zolo, keeping it lit for the mid.
1: Yes, sir. And this place is special to me. It's special to the guys that I played with. It's special to the guys that played before me, because we love Michigan. Swinging
0: a fly ball, left wow. field and wow. deep. It's way. Back.
1: Home of the Wolverines, the Bad Boys,
0: the Red Wings, and the Honolulu Blue. The team, the team, the team. It's time for the PMP. It's time to go to work. Giants up for Detroit, a lovely city.
2: Buddies, welcome to the Pure Podcast. Today is Wednesday, October 12th. Al Smith coming at you in the mix once again with Mr. Mike Palazzo. How you doing, Mike?
1: You know, I'm a little disappointed the state of Michigan tracked us down. Uh, yeah. And made, and made us change the name, but I'm happy to be joining you on the Pure Podcast. But we all know the real name.
2: We all know the silent M and the real name for the, the Pure Podcast. But when two guys like this get together, start making waves, very Ken Bone of us, coming out of nowhere, causing a ruckus. Yeah, the Pure Michigan folks don't like their namesake being used willy-nilly.
1: Yeah, uh, it's never a good thing to get a, uh, a letter from Attorney General Bill Schuette telling you that you need to change the name of your
2: podcast. But Never, never. It happens and we regroup. Episode for you today, going to talk Michigan football, going to run through some segments, talk fantasy football. What, what was, what did you say last week? The whispers of Woodward, on Woodward. The whispers down Woodward. Yeah. Okay. Going into it. We are going, we're recording this Wednesday evening right after South Park. What'd you think of the episode? Um, well,
1: uh, if I were to ever join a chat room, my name would probably turn into Boner Schwaggins. Boner Schwaggins. Uh, I like where they're going. I don't think... They typically do the the three-episode arcs like this at the end of the season. That's how they end. But I like how they just jumped right in.
2: Well, last season like, was the first season that the entire season was connected. Yeah. Nobody yeah. nobody does... They're just operating... Trey and Matt are operating on a different fucking level.
1: Always have been. Always have Different been.
2: level. And I thought this, uh, this season started a little slow. Obviously, there's a great amount of material with this election going on, but this these alternatives pass the goat and being able to make fun of things without making fun of them directly, no one is even close to that.
1: Think Here's, of how quick they had to move to, to put in the locker room talk comment today. Like, that happened in a three-day
2: span. The trolls turning into actual trolls is so beyond brilliant. The mm-hmm. fact that they were able to... And I'm kind of glad they did it. I, I, I thought it was odd that they, they really didn't touch on, on Trump or Hillary or the election at all yet still progressed in this one. And it was good because I kind of missed the old South Park of everyone being random. The, <laughs> the dicks out <laughs> when butters drops trow in, in the stands. I, I lost my mind. That was so fucking funny. It
1: was a game changer. Charismatic butters is, is very interesting.
2: It really was. And not to mention very much like myself, I can relate to South Park in many ways, but the having a long distance Canadian girlfriend, I definitely can relate to.
1: Well, I miss Charlotte because anytime they make fun of Canada, those are my favorite episodes, like the Canadian Royal Red Wedding one from a couple years ago.
2: I can Yeah, rel- the, uh,
1: the Yo Gabba Gabba one. Is funny too, and no one yeah. has gotten worse over time. at yeah.
2: than Canadians.
1: Mm-hmm. The Yo Gabba Gabba one is is arguably my favorite episode. Of the
2: life. when they're singing the Canadian alphabet and yeah, <laughs> oh, just have they work in the E F guy. but the the way that they can they have done it routinely multiple times throughout the course of the show, making fun of Mexican and Mexican immigrants without making fun of Mexicans and Mexican immigrants. For instance, the Goobacks when they sub in people from the future Mm -hmm. or last season, they had Canadian Mm -hmm. immigrants who don't you know that every, every morning at eight 30 AM, they all face East and listen to the saxophone.
1: (laughs) Every time they nail it. Every time.
2: And now, with no dog in the race right now and a Canadian girlfriend, I'm obviously all in on the Jays right now. Briefly, what are your thoughts so far on MLB playoffs?
1: Man, I hate every team that's left. Unless the Dodgers somehow pulled something out. I'm just not a fan. The like Cubs, I said in the last episode, a Cubs World Series victory would be very detrimental to my soul.
2: Did you see the end of the game last night? I did, yeah. That, it's hard not to get caught up with it in the city. I was laughing to myself thinking about the inevitable game five choke that was coming. And the fact mm-hmm. that down three had three runs on the board in the ninth before they even made their first out. I think the curse might've been broken last night, to be honest. That was the kind of win that, that is a, a, only special teams can pull off.
1: I think the magic has to happen in the world series for the Cubs, for them to break the curse. Like they
2: have to uh, pull. the intriguing there. possibility of Cleveland who hasn't won it since like 1930 or yeah. 40 and them. But I'm, ho- I'm praying for, for Jays and Cubs because I already did the math. I'm going to be in Toronto Halloween weekend, and I would be yeah. able to see a, a World Series game.
1: No, Toronto would be definitely, I mean, for any sort of playoff series. Obviously, with, with hockey, you would put that at the top. But if the Jays made the finals or the, the World Series, if the Raptors made the finals, it would just be a different ballgame. fucking game.
2: hockey fans throwing beers at players, it's going to be lit. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's all they are as hockey fans, but like uncaged with a more successful team.
2: So, all right, Michigan football. Last pod we uh, we recorded right before the Wisconsin game, and that went well for us. Not quite as well as the Rutgers game did. But what I guess are your initial thoughts briefly on Wisco and Rutgers?
1: Uh, I loved in the Wisconsin game how they ran the ball. I think that. We said it beforehand, they were going to Big Ten the hell out of each other, and they did. And uh, I thought Michigan's success running the ball is the reason why they won the game in the fashion they did. And then one thing I don't want to go overlooked real quick before I turn it back over to you is how good Channing Stribling was in that game. He played like a first-round corner. I think he ended up being the defensive player in the game, but he's the most unsung hero on that defense.
2: That's what I couldn't believe, and yeah. I really didn't even know his name that well before the year started. And mm-hmm. it was Jordan's big comeback, and ultimately it was Jordan who made the big play at the end, so he's still in the headlines. Yeah. But all game long, stripping yeah. stuff. When your second corner in college football is that good? Is going to play on Sundays? going to play on Sundays? Oh, my God. Going right into the Rutgers game, I think personally think they need to secede from the Big Ten. That was embarrassing. It was hard to watch after a little way. The, the game was over completely. I just rewatched the film. After when it was fourteen nothing, they had the ball and then the quarterback would have made their first first down, but he fumbled and we took over. Uh, they checked out completely after that.
1: Who forced that fumble, Maurice Hurst? I don't remember.
2: Uh, I don't either. Um, but. It was over. Stop the f- – You're going to hear, obviously, some critique from the talking heads that he was running it up. But I think most people who know what they're talking about can see that they passed the ball twice in the second half. And if you can't stop the run up the middle, what are you going to do? Not to mention yeah. the added incentive that he's Ohio State guy running his mouth and he got what he deserves.
1: Yeah, they ran dives every play. You know, it's Two passes in the second half. He was running up the score. You can make the case on the two-point conversion, but I, I wouldn't do that. You've got to get your team as many reps as possible. They're playing a program that's been trying to trash them for the last couple months, whose fans can't stop talking. And then on top of that, I, I think the main motivating factor going in the week before is they see what everyone's saying about them. They see when Louisville and Clemson get ranked higher than them, and they don't get recognition for beating Wisconsin. They see what everyone's saying about Jabril. They see it. So they see that Michigan isn't keeping up with Ohio State or Alabama right now. So they looked at the Alabama score the week
2: before. They go, "Oh, you oh, bet your ass that he knew how how badly Ohio State went fifty yeah. eight nothing, and he wanted to win 50. Yeah, games. he saw fifty eight nothing, fifty nine nothing. Hmm, I think we could beat that.
1: And uh, that's what he right did. Running the ball, think in the middle that was part
2: of it you're running the ball up the middle there's nothing else you can do you can't tell your players to stop our second team put up 35 points with two passing attempts yeah what's what's scary about the second team defense is the d line is
1: still Maurice Hurst at one tackle Gary at the other tackle uh Chase Winovich it's it's still stacked it's it's still a top I think the, with the guys in the
2: back the 2016 Michigan defense versus the Rutgers offense was one of the biggest mismatches in Big Ten history. It was so apparent so early that it was like, oh my God, you need to stop the fight. They are, every lineman is three yards in the backfield. They can't block a soul. He has no time. And even if they wanted to pass, there's nowhere to pass to. They got nothing. It was just such dominance. And I think we have to start looking about, talking about this team being not just the best in the country. but. I think, one of the greatest in Michigan history.
1: Well, when we saw Michigan State do the damage that they did over the last couple of years, in particular their Rose Bowl year, their defense was, was pretty pretty incredible. And uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's just the Michigan fan in me, but I don't remember those Spartan defenses doing anything like what Michigan's defense is doing now and what they did last year with the three straight shutouts. But in particular, the performance they did on Saturday, not giving up a, four, a first down until the second half of the and second half of the fourth quarter, and um, on top of that, just the fact that you can't even throw on them at all, you can't run on them. They're number one statistically in every category. I mean, they, they we could at least say for a fact that this is a special defense, and I think it's the best one in the country. And with I a don't defense know, like we'll- that,
2: even if you're going into a mismatch like a potential Ohio State or Alabama otherwise and maybe your offense isn't good enough to beat that team I don't think any game can possibly get out of reach at any point when that defense is that defense is not going to give up mm-hmm. the they'll end.
1: keep you in games they'll definitely keep you in games I think the gauge is Wisconsin um we'll, we'll find, find out, out a lot yeah. the team when they play uh it sucks because it's a long way away, but we'll find the defense is first going to be truly put to the test, in my opinion, when they play Indiana the second to last game of the year. It's going to be the first time they see a team that could run it up, that could do anything, and uh, is very mobile. It and was 31 that we video.
2: just watched. Uh, watched those highlights at all. 31 mm-hmm. 7 with like four minutes left against the Buck. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: That was in Columbus, right?
1: Yeah. In Columbus, yeah. But keep in mind, they brought Michigan to overtime last year. Their game against Ohio State last year was incredible, and they had them on the ropes until the end. And then, um, as you saw, they just beat Michigan State two weeks ago. So,
2: Right. I mean, no one's overlooking that, that game for sure. But mm-hmm. before we move on and talk about some of these other teams, I don't think Rutgers, that, that was so embarrassing for them in that program. They had all those recruits. They had a ton of recruits there for football and basketball. The basketball team might be worse. Yeah. How do you – it was clearly such a mistake for them to be in the Big Ten. I think both parties can realize this. They can't like every season to just be getting killed in athletics.
1: Yeah, well, I don't have to explain this to you because you understand this. But for those who don't know, the reason why Maryland and Rutgers ended up in the Big Ten is because of money, Like just like every other decision. But they bring in Maryland being outside of Washington, D.C., brings in that very massive Washington, D.C. market that will land the Big Ten network and that will get to see Michigan and Michigan State and Ohio State X amount of times a year. And then Rutgers is huge because it gives them the New York market, being in New Jersey. Right. Although
2: no one in New Jersey is paying attention to Rutgers football. No. I was listening to the one – the guys, the uh, live guys, the the one guy who was there was saying – you know, in the hotel before, or after there's no Big Ten network on. No one's watching that shit. No, um, no. and no one is going to go to any of those games moving forward. At that, no, time. it's a bad situation. And they are lies moved They're- by the – What was he? An Ohio State coordinator, or what was he? So Chris Ash,
1: yeah, I, th- I want to say he was the D coordinator the year they won. So the one year it, they had Tom Herman as their offensive coordinator. And then Chris Ash is their defensive coordinator. Tom Herman, as you know, went on to Houston, and they had the really good year last year. And, and he's the, the favorite, favorite for the Texas favorite. job. He's the favorite for Texas and LSU. Really? So he's a pretty uh,
2: he's a pretty hot name. And then no, they just put Navy. Yeah, exactly. We'll get exactly. into that more in a second. But you want to t- compare a guy who probably made the right move leaving with Durkin and the guy who. Probably jump ship to a bad situation too early with the coach of Rutgers, man. I don't know how, where you go from a game like that. No. What do you tell your guys in the locker room? So what you say the last like, two games go. it's like a hundred and
1: fifty to nothing, and two. Ge- <laughs> you guys fucked up. Like we just broke horrible records. I don't know how we're gonna practice that. Like
2: any location. of those recruits, I well, I'd like to see the well, a single one of those hundred recruits or so that were there? Choose Rutgers after that. Game. No, no, especially when you're looking at Jim Harbaugh on the other
1: on the other sideline. All I've the recruits seen, that they compete with, they got no chance.
2: When we see conference realignment, it's usually like big schools upgrading and everything like that. I feel like you rarely see a team cut from a conference. Yeah, because they. What stop. we need to do, what we need to do, is
1: there's rumors that Texas is trying to form their own new conference, centered around centered around their own network and they want to bring you heard the rumors a couple weeks ago that Nebraska was considering leaving the Big 10. They want to bring Nebraska down and kick Oklahoma out. I'd love to absorb Oklahoma and Oh, they,
2: they are, they'd be a great Big 10 team.
1: Yeah. That's Midwest America. Midwest America and they'll solidify the other division just like Texas and m did when they solidified SEC West. I think they'd be a great I team. mean you
2: have to I think we talked about this. You have to have Michigan and Ohio State in the same division. But yeah, you've Michigan State and Oklahoma on the other side.
1: Um,
2: or even Oklahoma, Wisconsin, and Iowa. And then if you don't about, lose
1: Nebraska, having, Oklahoma and Nebraska already exist as a rivalry.
2: And the reason why I don't see this ever happening is the Oklahoma has some deeply rooted rivalries with Big 12 teams, like the Red River Shootout and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And Kansas and basketball, same thing. Kansas and basketball, now. No. I guess is that Oklahoma's biggest game is Texas. What are their other Oklahoma State too?
1: Oklahoma State, yeah, but you could take so if, the you, if you if you just
2: kept the Oklahoma State game. So Oklahoma plays non conference every year. They play Oklahoma State and Texas, and then they yeah, the ten schedule. Yeah, I think they I mean, actually fair. that's not terrible. Do that every year, like but Iowa has to
1: do that every year. Iowa plays Iowa State every year. Notre Dame plays Stanford and uh, Navy and Boston College and all those colleges. Yeah, don't even get
2: me started on pansies at Notre Dame. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They are a disaster. (laughs) Another fluid (laughs) situation. I remember watching it. Oh, man, State's taking it to this Notre Dame team who everyone thinks is good. Here we go again. State's great. But uh, it's not so. Things aren't so happy in East Lansing these days. No, Um, they are not. We just watched, I mean, BYU moving them off the ball, moving it, plays where we were just watching like, oh my God, wait till Evans gets on the edge on this team. They, A team that has always been so good defensively. It's just a shock to see these boys at BYU pushing them around.
1: Yeah, it's incredible that they've had the score ran up on, on them in, uh, in two, uh, between BYU and Wisconsin. And then I wouldn't say Indiana. They, they actually kept that Indiana offense in check, but... At the same time, it's it's funny seeing that they. And they got a quarterback. a quarterback. How do you get the quarterback situation wrong? Like, you you know what you got in Tyler O'Connor for X amount of years. He's your starter, he's not. So, why is he the starter out of camp? He can get it done in Columbus on the road, but he can't solidify an offense that hasn't needed help from the quarterback over the last couple of years. Like, it's.
2: I don't understand because I guess Michigan State never is really a ranked recruiting class, but how do you. After so many solid years, and I guess we potentially underestimating guy we underestimated after he's gone. Um, Funny Narduzzi, how that works. No doozy. He's at Pitt, thriving. Yeah, Funny everyone knew he was going to be a good coach, but the fact that two years later, I mean, where are the guys? Where's the next man up? That's such a massive drop off from on that defense.
1: No, and they're struggling with their offensive coordinator now, too. Dave Warner's kind of worn out his stay. So
2: I kind of hate how bad they are. I wish they were just a little bad and not this bad because they're going to play the, out of their minds when the Wolverines come to East Lansing. And it's the situation where, despite this being a disastrous wake-up year for all these Spartan fans, single-handedly, single-handedly you can call it a successful season if you ruin Michigan's undefeated season.
1: Probably, probably. I, I couldn't agree more. And I, they just always play Michigan tight. D'Antonio, every single game in his entire career, He's even when he's lost the game, he's still played it tight. Between, uh, I think that was 07 in East Lansing and then uh, a couple of years ago in Ann Arbor. It's, it's just a difficult game to win for Michigan now. So they, they need to have... They need to have their best game of the season when they go into East Lansing. Otherwise, you can get caught off they heels. They drafted. have all the
2: motivation to do it, and yet it's hard to picture a Harbaugh team not there and ready to play. Mm-hmm. Bucks, you, we know that for certain. God they're be they, prepared. they beat them in year one.
3: Mm-hmm. They,
2: they, they beat a team that went to the playoff last year. Essentially, They wouldn't yeah. have gone to the playoff but for an actual act of God. So you would think that was when we were the underdogs. I mean... I hate to see I see a bunch of Michigan fans thinking we're gonna steamroll them and talking shit talking shit too soon. They're no, it's not that easy. Broken until there's zeros on the clock. It's not that easy. That
1: being said, I think if Michigan goes in there and they do end up pounding them and pull another shutout out of their ass and do one of those performances where there's negative first downs and negative yards and all that jazz. I think if Michigan goes in there and does that and wins by a substantial margin, it'll negate last year, at least for me.
2: I could say this that the I I don't even know the guy's name. I know the other quarterback that they're dabbling with, and we're dabbling with a BYU. Damian Terry and Messiah DeWeaver are the other two quarterbacks. If guys, is- if he tries to throw an aerial pass against the Michigan secondary, it will be intercepted.
1: <laughs> no, it's it's a no brainer. Jordan Lewis is given when as when he's targeted, the quarterback has a 0.0 rating right now. When a, when a quarterback targets him Granted that's through two games But we know he's the best cornerback in the country So we know that Air like- Jordan Air Jordan.
2: Oh man what a play that was Are you kidding me As a guy who has always watched the DBs I played DB in high school uh, Went to the state semis I don't know if you heard that But I can't tell you how impressive That play really was In the situation it was That dude is special and on a defense where he's overshadowed because we have a generational talent playing and what maybe two generational talents. We'll see what the kind of player Gary turns into. But he's right there with him. Yeah, it's
1: it's incredible to watch. Uh I, I sent out a tweet the other day after Pepper's punt that which shouldn't have got called back, by the way, if you watch it. It was soft. Oh, we're lucky. So soft we're we're lucky that we have these guys right now. And uh Jordan Lewis is Man, what can I say about him? It's it's just it, with him and Stribling on the field, you feel so safe. And it's crazy is that Michigan's the two receivers between Jar, uh, Darbo and Chesson are the best combo they in college football almost. And those two see them in practice all the time. Right. So that's why I think Stribling. Well, and I, would, I bet they, they have
2: battles. Them. I'd love to see just a you know a seven on seven with Jabril and Jordan the Stribling covering. But,
1: yeah, but and Chesson
2: and Darbo. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the coach, I don't know if you've heard, our coach likes a little competition in practice. How it goes. Okay, so I looked into it today. It's it's obviously too early, the way too early thoughts. But I took a deep dive into the what-if game, looking at the playoff picture, how things could stack up. If If it ended today, the top teams kind of easily come to focus. You've got... Bama, in a class of their own. Some SEC teams, you got Texas A&M, Tennessee maybe nibbling at their heels. Ohio State and Michigan. Clemson, right behind them, Louisville, and then Washington. The Big 12, I think, is a mess. Baylor's undefeated. West Virginia's undefeated. Someone's got to win that. I think they're all going to lose multiple games. But Mm -hmm. Right now, if you're talking top four teams, it's – Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, and Clemson. Washington close behind, but I'd like to see a little more out of them. The teams I absolutely trust that are actually tremendous teams are those. So it begs the question, and what's I'm sure on everybody's mind, if we go in undefeated, really hard to do, a lot of games to win, but the undefeated matchup with Ohio State and lose, is there a possible way to get to the playoffs? I mean, before I tell you my findings, what are your thoughts on that? I
1: agree. Back to your original four, the four you think get in. Yeah, I think Washington is real, personally. Thinking of what they've done to or- both Oregon and Stanford in the last couple weeks. Uh, speaking of Oregon, that's Brady Hoke's defense over there, and it is not doing good. Oh, gave up what a disaster they are.
2: Talk about yeah, Chip Kelly. No good. Chip Kelly's out of there, and the program folding. Um, they are a mess. But look at the Huskies, who I. Had no reason to believe if there weren't people talking about them to suspect them. But a bunch of people thought, oh, they got a really good defense. They're going to be good this year. Impressive. They squeaked one out at Rich Rod's place um, against Arizona, 35-28. But then the, the back-to-back very impressive wins versus Stanford, spanking Stanford. And then at Oregon, 70-21. to um, They appear to be for real. They... I'm not completely sold they can run the table yet. They've got some tough games at Utah, at Cal. Then probably I can't lose the Cal game, but at Utah could be a loss. Home against USC, you never know. Arizona State, and then ending it rivalry game at Washington State, which could all, always go either way. So they're all- Yeah,
1: Washington State, I think, is the second-ranked team in the Pac-10, if I'm correct. Right. They're, they're up there right now.
2: I, I think at this point, though, does Stanford have another loss? Uh, Stanford. No,
1: they do not. But I, I could see USC starting to push these teams. USC is probably the best
2: case for Washington. I guess I kind lose. of thought about if a one loss Stanford runs the table, but I was thinking that if the Huskies lose, it's over for the great. Pac-12. It's over for the Pac-12.
3: Yeah, and the agrees.
2: same with Baylor. I think if they lose their strength, the schedule is not good. So, hoping that both the Pac-12 and the Big Twelve get a loss and potentially could go unrepresented that's the best path for us
1: wait is TCU still undefeated or or do they go down finally
2: no they went down um okay i think yeah, um. not ranked i don't believe i think rankings TCU yeah they're not ranked um oh they went down early didn't they it's just west virginia is also undefeated they haven't played anybody mhm uh so yeah, so you look at a big game on the schedule. West Virginia and Baylor are the, is the last game of the year, so that could potentially have implications. But I think they're both going to lose before then. They're not special.
1: There's no way. There's no way Baylor runs. I the really table. also think that Operations down there.
2: If I had to go one way or the other, I'd bet that the Huskies lose a game as well. I I think at Utah is going to be real tough. At Utah, probably USC at Washington State. 15, to USC 15.
1: playing good football right now. Yeah. So
2: there's. It'd be tough to to win all those. So if both those teams go down, what's going to depend on the SEC, and we're going to know a lot after two or three weeks from now, because Bama is going into a stretch where they play the only other undefeated SEC team, Texas A&M and Tennessee. And those three are kind of like the top three of the SEC, the kind of the only real playoff contenders, if you ask me. So at Tennessee – And then home against Texas A&M for Bama. We're going to know real quick who's for real, who's not. I think A&M's real. I
1: think A&M's legit with Miles Garrett on their defense. I think they know what they're doing down there. And and Kevin Sumlin's been there before. We're going to find out a lot about A&M when they play Bama.
2: Yes, we will. That's what we'll know. Just like the other times. We will. I think Tennessee's still probably a couple years off. They got real lucky. They can be good, but they're not there yet. So it'd be interesting: is Texas are Texas A and M and Alabama on the same side or opposite? Yeah, sides? that's SEC West. So, it'd be interesting if a if, for instance, a one loss team and their only loss is to the undefeated other guy, uh, that would be in the conversation. So. We're looking at, ultimately, at the end of the year, one loss Michigan, one loss Louisville, who probably won't drop again unless they lose to Houston, and that one loss team. And comparing those resumes, it'll depend on how some of these teams finish out. Michigan's best win would probably be Wisconsin in the scenario where we lose to Ohio State. Going into the year, you thought, oh, man, if they navigate through at Michigan State, at Iowa, but both those teams aren't living up to expectations. And Louisville's win against Florida State, at Florida State and at Houston, it seems like, especially if they got Lamar in, in the conversation for Heisman, that they would probably get the nod over, over a Michigan team. But we'll see. A lot of football to go. And, I don't know. I mean, and you've got to throw one last Texas A&M in there, too.
1: I don't know about Louisville. They're, they have the good stuff early, but their Florida State win looks less and less good now. Uh, oh, the let me ask you this. Is the never Wisconsin
2: helped. win or the Florida State win more impressive?
1: I think the Wisconsin win's more impressive. Because Wisconsin has a chance. I mean, Wisconsin's still in the middle of a gauntlet schedule right now. Let's keep that in mind. So let's say Wisconsin does some work against Ohio State, and then they beat an undefeated Nebraska team. They have to play Correct. Nebraska, who's ranked 10 in the country. Then our Wisconsin win looks better and better every time. I
2: guess, and then that could potentially be um, – well, that wouldn't be a benefit for us. I'm saying that winning against an undefeated opponent from the other division in the Big Ten, if Nebraska could run the table, which I don't think they will, but that could enhance someone's resume as well. And can. It can. I think, yeah, I guess it's, it would be tough if it was the one-loss Michigan, one-loss Louisville. You have to be also skeptical, even though I think they would be ranked way lower. But a one-loss Baylor... That's champion of the Big Twelve. That's dangerous because of how much they weigh those championships. Or a one-loss uh, Washington, who's the champ, or a one-loss Baylor, that would be dangerous,
1: right? Yeah, we'll think. Go, let's go by Power Five. You know who our predicted champion's gonna right. be. So we're gonna say Baylor for the Big Twelve, right? Right. We're gonna say Washington for the Pack. Yep. Yeah. We're gonna say. I mean, for for. For fun, we're going to say Alabama right now, and then Clemson ACC, right. and then Michigan-Ohio State winner in the State North. Big game. Okay. That's why so, I saw
2: the breakdown right now. The consensus is Bama, Clemson, Washington, and then the winner of the Ohio State-Michigan game is the fourth. Yeah. If yeah. all things go to convention, which no year has it all gone to convention. There's a lot of games that could go crazy. It's college football. It's why it's the best.
1: I agree on that. I think that it'd be it'd be. Difficult to consider Houston with their one loss. Even if they end up beating Louisville, it'd be difficult because a, a, a school from a small conference has to go undefeated. They have to prove it. And well, I let's think not
2: forget. Let's talk win. about the other lower-ranked undefeated teams. Oh, row the boat, Boise, baby. Boise State, who could, who should run the table. But I was looking at if they're undefeated, they literally have no good wins. Come on, keep rowing, keep rowing. And if you go down and row down a little further, you got the boys from KZU. Who are go. having the dream season. Who do who do they have left to play? Okay, so their schedule is okay.
1: It shapes up pretty favorable for them. But down the road, Toledo is going to be their biggest challenge in the rest of the MAC. A little action going on down in Toledo. They got a special program. What's Those their best win kids, so far? Kids, Toledo's best win. West or or Western. Western. Yeah. You can make a case for at Northwestern. Central, I think, is a good win. Central's a much-improved team. If you want to value Illinois, you could do it with Illinois as well. Uh, But uh, Eastern's actually a tough, uh, funny thing for the first time in a long time that uh, the school in Ypsilanti's got a good program. So Eastern could be tough for them. Then Kent State, potentially. Toledo, definitely. But they have more chance than not right now to run the table, in my opinion. So... They're making noise over there
2: in Kalamazoo. They're, they're rowing the boat. right. And that, to our that brings up another nightmare situation for if, how do you do better than win all your games, a Boise State or Western Michigan, but how can you say that they're better than a one-loss Michigan, one-loss Texas A&M who you just, the words just came out of your mouth. Looks like the best win possibly on their schedule could be Toledo. Just yes. say that out loud and then talk about the teams that have to go Play at Florida State and at, no, it, the it doesn't. Help. It doesn't
1: help. And the difference between a Western and like let, the Boise State teams from the mid two thousands that were doing it is Boise State always had like a strong out of conference schedule, right. and they still played some decent teams in the. They got run, rid of that when they other had their little dip. Yeah, that's what the they, they did. And then Liberty anymore. And that's the problem with Western. We'll find out a lot about the committee at that point. Obviously, it's probably not the only happen. danger
2: is if absolute chaos wrecks and there's not enough undefeated one loss teams if we're looking at mm-hmm. undefeated Boise State versus a two loss team that could be tough that's mm-hmm. what I don't think they're, they're gonna make it any over any one loss team
1: no I don't and I think with the Western will catch on they've scheduled a pretty pretty good opponents in the past in different seasons I don't know their future schedule it's usually like a road game where they get paid a lot of money It may. Maybe they can go into one of those power conferences next
2: year and steal one against. Yeah, the if, if you so want to, uh, if you want to play with the big boys, uh, reserve a spot at the table and, and show us what you can do. That Ohio State and Oklahoma both have been very gr- aggressive with those with those early games. Oklahoma appearing not to be the same team we thought they were, but no. Michigan has some deals. They ha- they have those Texas games, right, in the future. Who who I have to a- look. They have some, is, it, uh, is it
1: Texas or is it Oklahoma? They have Texas. I know that. Okay, so I so on in- this topic, on this topic, one of the things I didn't like that Ward Manuel's done so far is for me, and I know I'm in the minority here. I wouldn't have brought back Notre Dame at the terms that they brought back Notre Dame with.
2: Everyone's eliminated- for bringing. Everyone's for bringing them back. No one agrees with how they did because yeah. it's set up, and I don't think Michigan State's going to have any concessions. Having every other year forcing Michigan to go, go to East Lansing, go to Columbus, and go to South Bend is mar- yeah. And bro.
1: on top of that, on top of that, a lot of people don't know they had a home and home with Arkansas scheduled, and right. they had to eliminate the home and home with Arkansas. Now, for me, I would rather go up against. I'd rather have a home and home
2: with, with an a really cool school,
1: SEC school and get the SEC win, then beat Notre Dame's ass. I'm sick of Notre Dame. I don't like, I don't know if you know, but the, the incarnation they had of the of the rivalry over the last 10 years, it started in Notre Dame, and then when they used their out clause, it ended at Notre Dame. That's slimy and shouldn't have happened. And then it's beginning with Notre Dame again. I would have never given up the concession that the series starts back in South Bend. Yeah. That was bullshit. Why so did I they have to court. concede
2: so much? Why did they have negotiating power? That's weird.
1: There was pressure to bring Notre Dame back, and he needed a good move in his first couple months as athletic
2: director. And Notre Dame's like, we're fine. I mean, we we left. We're fine doing it. You're going to have to sweeten the deal to play us again? In my opinion, Notre Dame told us all
1: we needed to know about what they think of Midwest schools, what they think of Big Ten schools, when they signed that stupid deal with the ACC. It wasn't cool. They could have did the same deal with the Big Ten. You could play Michigan State every year. You could play Indiana and Purdue every year, whoever their tie-in is with. And you could play Michigan every other year. And then you could do the same deal with three other schools. You can get Ohio State, Nebraska, just like they did in the ACC. Right. And then on top of that, they're in it for hockey now. They would have been in it before. It would have been a great addition for basketball, but no, nope, this is what they wanted. So they should they should punish Notre Dame. Big Outside of if you have a tie-in with Notre Dame, I think all the schools that play them should punish them and just go and schedule better
2: schools than Notre Dame. Yeah. It's... It's mind bottle, bo- bo- mind boggling. <laughs>
1: my my <laughs> mind is all up in a bottle right it's, now. Oh, my my mind's
2: I just oh I think about it. My mind's just in a bottle with with emotions. I don't I don't get it, but it's good to have those guys back <laughs> through the dark ages, aka my student when I was a student at Michigan. Three years of Richrod and one year of Hoke. The only constant was our ability to beat Notre Dame in thrilling fashion. So. Most of my fondest memories through those four years were beating Notre Dame. It would be good to have those guys back. I guess. For now. For now. And but- with the way the programs are, the trajectory right now, it looks like we could uh, lock up a win versus those guys.
1: Um, So back off the tangent, we were talking about future schedules, right?
2: Yeah. Well, if we start the game versus Florida and Jerry World next year.
1: Yeah. That's a huge – And, and I don't we'll like Talk that. about how to that- dictate how the season goes. I'm, I'm not cool with the uh, – I echo the sentiment of one John U Bacon after reading his book. I'm not really cool with neutral site games unless you're playing for like a championship. Uh, I want to see – it's the same thing with Arkansas. I want to see Florida's
2: campus. I think that would be much cooler. Yeah, but, I, um, I stopped. Florida was actually – I applied to three schools. Michigan, got to throw a safety school in case everything goes to shit. So I, I, I applied to state. And I applied to Florida. And I—that was in the peak of their bow and basketball, No and the boys were like oh, yeah, and right. everything. And right. we went there like right in the heat of it because there was a stretch where they literally Heisman Trophy, national championship, national championship in Florida. And there's just—I don't know how people do any work. There's a reason Good why most of, the, needs- most of the great schools are in the northeast, shitty weather places. It makes sense. How mm-hmm. you can justify going to the library when there's pools? and girls everywhere chilling at the pool constantly, and your teams, all they do is win championships. It mm-hmm. was intoxicating. Um, it's difficult. It's so difficult. I, I like that. I guess going to Jerry World does sound cool, though. I still haven't been. Um, well, they got to right the wrong from the last time they, they do. were there Well, that was, I don't know if you were with, one of the better judgments of my, I knew what was going to happen in that game against Bama, and I went to... Electric Zoo with the squad. Like, first. Oh, yeah. I remember and that. That
1: was Armin Night. That was Armin Night. I was in New York. That, that was week. not
2: Armin Night. Oh, you went to Marcus shoals afterwards. Oh, yeah. Though, 2012. That, didn't you? Yeah. Went to Schultz at the Best Buy. Yeah. Um, but that was above and beyond an Axwell killing it okay. main stage. Okay. <laughs> that was, uh, I mean, a lot of the New York guys who I met through Argentina, I hadn't even met him yet. It was a great day and got a lot of hate. For for classic house myth going to a an EDM show instead of the mi- big Michigan game, but I I knew how that game was going to end. I had the time of my life while everyone was miserable watching our team get walloped.
1: No, agreed. But the future is brighter with those uh, non conference home and homes. Well, they I have um. This Michi- so Michigan, so they have it- a home and home with Washington in twenty and twenty one. They have. Uh, Virginia Tech home and home in the same different years. Oh, home versus Virginia Tech in 20, and then away at 21. So this is where it gets good. UCLA in 2022 and 2023. Then Texas in t- at home in 2024. The next year they go to Norman 2025. Right. Then Oklahoma comes to Ann Arbor in 26, and then they go to Austin. It's fucking 10 years from now. That's one of the places I have to see is Austin yeah Austin in
2: 2020 oh man I'm gonna be yeah mark me down for when I'm 37 and going to. (laughs) Jesus Christ yeah I think I could swing I don't think 37 year old dudes make that those kind of trips pencil me in pencil me in pencil me in um just right there I just gotta make sure you know the kids can come (laughs) gotta take off Jesus. no I'm still years away from getting married at that point uh, but the UCLA—that's a—that's those will be fun games. That's another yeah. year trip too. I
1: actually—I've uh, seen the Rose Bowl before, but I'm—I'm uh, I'm saving my Rose Bowl appearance for, for a real uh, one. Yeah, yeah, for a real one. I've been that's to a Col-
2: a team. Team I that's that a, 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 a one-loss Michigan team. I see the Coliseum, but that would be a hell of a place to be—a one-loss Michigan team going to the rose bowl against washington or something like that would be pretty a pretty good fucking consolation prize.
1: Well, here's where it gets interesting again. What if you have a one-loss Nebraska? What if you have a one-loss Ohio State? Oh
2: shit, you're right.
1: Or uh well in that case it would be Michigan would be getting. A better. one-loss Nebraska, well if an undefeated Nebraska loses
2: to yeah. an undefeated Ohio State, they would they would jump, yeah. Yeah,
1: or what if they what if there's There's not going to be a
2: one-loss with, Nebraska.
1: What if they lose in the precedent that uh, remember Iowa went last year. What if there's a precedent that the runner-up of the, of a conference championship game should get the non, or should get the tie-in? It uh, sucks. Of it sucks month. a little
2: bit. Well, I guess every other year the Rose Bowl part of the playoff, right? Every third year. Every, every third year. year something but like that. it's kind of belittling the tradition a little bit. Well, that that yeah. that is the big thing. Of it used to be like the Rose Bowls, everything, and now it's a consolation and that that's the concession you got to make. I think everyone's down for that. But the fact that now pretty much every year that team will be coming off a loss going to the Rose bowl.
1: So this, that brings up an interesting point What you were just saying about how it like ruined the tradition a little bit. I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here. They should expand. I call this the Zolo system, by the way. This is how I would fix the <laughs> oh, college football.
2: Breaking out. news. This is the first on-air release of the Zolo system. Go
1: ahead. So this is this is the Zolo method to fix the college football playoffs. Expand to eight teams. They're going to eventually expand anyways. Expand to eight teams. Make the first four games with all of the original bowls, the Rose, the Sugar, the right. Orange, and Fiesta. And leave their tie-ins in place just to savor the tradition. So no matter what, if you win the Big Ten championship game, you're going to Pasadena. No matter what, if you win the Pac-12 championship game, you're going to Pasadena. No matter if you win the ACC championship game, you're going to Miami. You win the SEC championship game, you're going to New Orleans. No matter what, okay? Right. Then the next, so the five conference champions always get in. Then the next three are the two best. Conference champions or conference champion runner-ups. So you had to have made the championship game and lost.
2: Do you think Somebody that provision's them? necessary? Can't you do the five champs and then at you large? You could
1: either, you could do the five and then three at large, but I want to make it accommodating for teams, like and more emphasis on well, we'll scrap it. We'll say the five champions yeah, and three at large. I think
2: that's enough. Because as it is, well, I guess with the four-team system, people like, just put the fucking four best teams in there, like the conference championship, blah, blah, blah. But then you gotta incentivize that. This system seems pretty perfect to me. Yeah, um, there it is. There the idea—it's a lot. The, the so going deep into January now with well, they're going to do it eventually.
1: They're they're going to expand to eight anyways. I know what you're saying, and that's the main argument. Kids are in school, this and that. Well,
2: football players aren't there for school; they're there to win. I'm not even and concerned the and make it's, just, it's a lot. That's a deep, deeply different college landscape. Mm-hmm. Talking about. And you know all that extra practice time, three full more games after the normal season. I love yeah. the, the stat. Michigan State loves to throw around like they've got more twelve win or thirteen win seasons than in the. Like, D'Antonio has more than Michigan has, or something. Well, they started playing thirteen games like three years ago, buddies. Um, yeah. So, but that's expanded to a whole. You're looking at potential fourteen games. Or.
1: Yeah, the, no, the 15, team, fifteen. The average team would play fourteen or fifteen, but if you're going to the NFL, no, not average.
2: Only the champions will play fifteen. Though. Okay, that's a lot.
1: Yeah, but it's they're gonna do it. Like it's inevitable. They're heading down that track. You can eliminate a non-conference game. You can have a longer break in between. Like give give them all of December off. Well, when you talk about what the, the Big January, Ten
2: used to be with no championship game, to now teams potentially playing four more games than they mm-hmm. used to not so long ago. That's a big That's
1: season. the postseason, though. And keep in mind, it's it's four games over. I mean, the first game, the Big Ten Championship game, would be the first week of December, and then you would go to mid-January. So it's only four games in seven weeks.
2: Well, you I think would you do the between. format right now, where you know they have just basically do end of the season, by or end of the season, buy, and then start. One week of buy or two weeks of buy. So like the week before... I guess you could kick off bowl season with those first four games, maybe. Then do all yeah. the other bowls, and then going. I guess it takes the- a great idea. Kick off so we the bowl season starts like Christmas. With all but the problem is,
1: let me interrupt you. The whole they have New of the Year's Eve. There's New Year's Eve. Yeah, you you would lose New Year's Eve. Like it would, lo- you wouldn't want the Rose Bowl in the second week of December. The whole point of the Rose Bowl is the Rose Parade and it being on New Year's Day. Like it's a tradition for people in Southern California on New Year's Day.
2: So that means. So under your system, that means New Year's Day has to be the first round of the playoffs. Well, yeah, New Year's Eve you could play two. Game.
1: The second you could play two, but you 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 do two games on back to
2: back day. And I'm just playing hard. devil's advocate. I'd I'd love that. I mean, you'd got that would allow for powers like Michigan and Ohio State to get in the playoffs like potentially consistently every year.
1: Yeah, it would reward a power five if you win your conference. In a Power Five conference, well, that's You're already you have the
2: right to play. You're, that's pretty much what it is already.
1: Not it, necessarily because there could those be the teams. controversy we had two years ago. There could be too many strong teams, and then you don't end up playing the court. fringe
2: one-loss teams that are right there. Like you, right now, you you do it just based on how the polls. Alabama, if well, we're doing the ties, but I'm just doing regular seating. That's the other thing that we might have to discuss because potentially you could have the. The, bat- the number one and number, number two one team
1: playing the-, in the Rose Bowl,
2: right? That's yeah. But what are you going to do though, right? Well, the way what you do you do it value oh, That's but that's a very good. What if that's fine? If it's Texas and champion, USC, the best like national championship you play
1: Yeah, no, I mean, th- then it is what it is. You you still get a good game eventually. It's just not going to be against the number two team or vice versa. It's just how it goes. Well, it keeps the history. If you
2: intense. just did CD- well, so if it ended how it. Ended season ended right now in your system. You have Ohio State playing Washington, mm-hmm. and then what Clemson? It's ACC in Miami, right?
1: ACC in Miami, so Could Clemson would be in the Rose Bowl
2: versus at large. Yeah,
1: and, and, and we're going the three best, so. in, the sugar, in the Sugar Bowl. So from then, it would we would rank the teams at that point. So, so number one and or, uh, like or number two, like Alabama five be versus
2: fair. Baylor. Ohio State, Washington, Clemson. Well, that would, so Clemson, AM, and then like Louisville, Michigan, which yeah. I, I know it's a different defense, but we've always had trouble with mobile quarterbacks, and he's like the most mobile quarterback ever.
1: He's pretty good. That would, but, oh, how much fun would watching those games be? It would be fun. Those would be, and then you get four great games like right off the bat. You could sandwich more bowls in January. You you can give the kids like up until Christmas off,
2: like no footballs right. after Christmas. We're not overlooking any games here. Back to Michigan schedule. Not looking, overlooking any games. Every game's a tough one, but Harbaugh's gonna have them ready. And just relieve the Michigan football topic on this thought. Can you imagine a year two Jim Harbaugh dethroning an undefeated Urban Meyer and an undefeated Nick Saban? Would be like the would most legendary real. run ever. It would feel real at that point. That is as good as it gets. Okay, let's, uh, let's move to some pro football. Not as good, but in my mind, the actual product in the NFL. But luckily, to compensate for that, we got some fantasy football. Um, okay, so we can talk State of the Lions right now. What do you think?
0: Well, first let's talk about
2: your experiences at Soldier
1: Field a couple weeks ago. What would you think?
2: Uh in a word, I think I uh, underwhelming was the word. Besides also I'll throw in <laughs> disappointing. Um There we go. There it, it is. It was there disappointing it pretty much start to finish. We were the the guy's tailgate spot was awful. Everything's so crowded. There is the South Lot looks like it was lit. The spot we were going to was just awful. You had to walk so far around the the water we went to like the official sponsored like bud light pregame it was right next to the thing that was fine actually they were not strict on what you could bring in so we brought a bunch of stuff into that and we're drinking right next to the stadium that was fine but not the most legendary tailgate then you got the game itself soldier field it's what I'm- oh oh my god i can't believe i didn't go into this immediately an experience that i won't soon forget and this tangent going on here to talk about the state of soldier field and the bears organization can be summed up with this story. So like anyone living in 2016, me and my body bought tickets on StubHub and went, we had them on the phone barcode and everything. We show up to soldier field and the people, are, Oh, we don't have those scanners at this gate. Like, excuse me. I mean, I go course. to fucking dungeon clubs in Canada or wherever, And everyone just scans the ticket. It's like the simplest thing. You can get an app probably, for God's sakes. The fact that an NFL team didn't have it, like you got to go around game five. So that's the complete other side of the stadium. We were going to get there early. We're now like, oh, we're going to miss kickoff now. Get to the other side, wait in that line, get to the front. Oh, no, we don't have the scanners either. The system is there's, you go to the will call, this gate run extra, and they got a printer in there. So we get to this massive line of many people just like us who thought they were living in 2016. Living in 2016. But the system in place is not to buy scanners or anything there. They have a line of people with clipboards filling out their email, emailing their tickets to the Bears, and the Bears print them off off of two printers that they had operational. Wow. I I can't begin <laughs> picture. You can't even script that. I you missed the first quarter. Like I missed that. the entire first quarter. You they waited in three line.
1: huge lines to get into the game.
2: Huge line and let's let's think about the logistics of this here. The Bears organization, they were having a meeting, the monthly meeting. Someone brought up, "Hey, hey guys, um there's some concern from some of the the fans. They they've been showing up with those digital tickets and we don't have the capacity to scan them in." And This conversation I imagine should have been taking place in like 2003, right? Um, In right after the edge of the razor, BlackBerry, I think the BlackBerry era, what are we talking? 2009. Uh, 2000, yeah, no. When this conversation I imagine should be happening. And the boss goes, instead of an NFL franchise paying the marginal cost that could be equipping the staff with the scanners, they decide, no, 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 no. Here's what we're going to do. Instead of that garbage... We'll just set up a couple of printers at gate five. No one's going to be using MC discovered. technology. That decision is absolutely mind-blowing that a team of people could sit around a fucking table. Because that's how it happened. You know decisions like that wasn't just one guy. Someone no. decided in the Bears organization with power, decided that that was the best way to solve the problem. And that's why the team has got awful. <laughs> the team has got awful. That's the exact kind of decision-making that signs Cutler to long deals, and things of that nature, but still good enough to beat the Detroit Lions.
1: Ugh, that was frustrating. I I thought that was more frustrating than the Titans' loss because that you, you, we had a, a six-game winning streak against the Bears. They haven't beaten us in years. They were on a six-game losing streak at Soldier Field. Hoyer. Their cool. whole defense, like four starters on their defense were dead. Brian Hoyer was in, was starting. Uh, they had just lost, uh, what's his name, going into the game, Jeremy Langford. Like yeah. There was really no excuse. Alshon Elf- Jeffrey was banged up. There was no excuse. And it, it's just sad because I think if the Lions just had one of Levy or Ansa back, that they probably would have won the Titans game. I think they could have won the Packers game, personally. I, a lot of people think I'm delusional, but I think they could have won that one. And they definitely would have beat the Bears, just with a minimal pass rush. What a joke. Oh, my
2: God. It was... Such a travesty to watch it. Oh, coming in second quarter, I don't know what happened in the first quarter, but that not being able to move the ball against the team I watched last week. Now, Dallas is pretty good, but just got embarrassed. The defense looks lost. I'm like, okay, Matty's slinging it. Matt um, fucking, our receivers are going to get open, and this is going to be great. Jones will be there. Tate's going to have a day, Um, and their offense is nothing to – Nothing to be scared of. We're gonna go on the road in Chicago. This is gonna be a great win. But we yeah. couldn't move the fucking ball. I couldn't believe how we couldn't move the ball. It's astounding. Astounding that Jim Bob Cooter can get nothing going. I had the whole thing planned. I was ready because we were taking some shit. We were up in the bleeders and there's some They're bas- bad there. They're, they're horrible there. there. Um usually because how how mean an opposing fan base is to you is directly proportional to your ability to beat them. See Our trip to Green Bay where they were oh hey, the Lions are here. We're gonna win they welcome us into their tailgates, they're showing us their trailers, they're showing all their shit so nice to us because the Lions haven't won since George (laughs) HW in fucking Green Bay. But the Bears, we have a rivalry, they were mean they were giving us some shit, telling us to shut up up there, and I was very much looking forward to if and when the Lions scored the first touchdown, doing like a nice standing, obnoxious clap that I know you're no stranger to. So of but that moment never came because I left in the middle of the fourth quarter and I never got to see a touchdown. It was horrific. I just want to
1: apologize on the behalf of the Lions organization to you that you had to sit through that.
2: That sucks because that was frustrating on TV. So I, I And I had don't... to do it because it didn't look like it's gonna work out this year. And I had a streak of three years running where I go to we do a big Road Lions trip. Mm-hmm. Um, this year they went to Indy. It wasn't as big as normal. Um, for the first game, but that was, I, got, I was looking forward to getting the road win, I had a good record, a few years ago we won in D.C., that was like the first big one, and then we got it done, you and I got it done in the metal lands against the Giants. damn and I were res- reminiscing
1: about the guy that flipped out about the ribs, and the one guy that was bleeding at the mouth, we were rem- reminiscing about that the other day.
2: Unbelievable. Good times, uh-huh. it was a great trip. It was a great trip, and that, I guess, I think it was the same year. Was yeah, that w- what was that two years ago? We played Green Bay for the for the division. Um,
1: um, that was three. That was Schwartz's last year. When we no, started. that was that was year before. Oh no, that was the year they went to the, the yeah the winner playoffs.
2: wins the division and gets the bye. Yeah, that's and then, right. that's so right. we came into that week with so much optimism, and two weeks later, like we're gonna win the division. This is amazing. We're gonna steal it. Two weeks later, we're out of the playoffs because of the the fucking pass interference call. Oh, yeah. Um, how quickly the tide can turn well that leads right into our first segment here we've got the joe Dumars joe d of the week who how the fuck does this guy still have a job as we asked for many years with joe d um it's fucking caldwell i don't i don't get it it's you can't it's so clear that he's not a good coach he just it's difficult and sometimes we we'll see, like, oh, maybe they're not getting motivation, wrong system, wrong players, blah 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 blah. It's just time and time again, he actually in game gets out coached and makes bad decisions. He is just not gonna get the job done, and we have to part ways. I don't know. I guess mid season they didn't want to give up on it, but at this point right now, I think you you gotta go a different way. I mean, maybe Jim Bob could leave the boys for the rest of the year. I don't know, but he's not the answer. We're never gonna win with Caldwell. I think uh, probably
1: two losses. If they if they lose to Houston and if they lose to uh, if they lose to the Rams, I think that's enough red flags to where going into the bye. And she has the history last year coming out of the bye. She ran through the building, Ellen yeah. Park at the flamethrower. Right. Uh, I I think that that would be a fair time to do it
2: because this team. It's even before this, this year. Would have been the right good time now. to make the move. Like we were cleaning the yeah. house. We got the new GM. Like last year, let's start fresh. I guess. Maybe they yeah. want the new coach not to get scared away or, or lose too much. They want to get a little turned around before they they get before the they make the move.
1: Well, yeah, what it comes down to is it buys Quinn some time because that's not his guy. So he knew that the team probably wasn't going to be successful this year, so he kept Caldwell on, so that way the most of the blame would be diverted to Caldwell, and it buys him another year. Because every GM, the first thing they do when they come to a new situation is they want to get their guy in there. They don't often inherit guys. They don't often inherit coaches. So Quinn inherited Caldwell, but you know it's it's clearly not paying off. And he's—I don't want to say he's the difference, but there's just things I'm sick of the the lack of urgency. I mean, in, in that Bears game, they lost because they weren't prepared. They were running bad routes. That's on the coach. He I was listening. Record. It was a painful.
2: So- it was a painful soundbite. I was listening to Simmons, and they were talking about like teams that just are the same thing every year. Like the Patriots and then they said like, oh, and the Lions, you know, classic undisciplined penalties, making mistakes, finding a way to lose games. That's just that is coaching, 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 coaching. And it's yeah, because they're poorly coached. Yeah. Um, it's
1: it's just all the discipline stuff, it's it's not that's something that comes with a culture change. Like you need a culture change to eradicate. Right. So who them.
2: do you want?
1: Uh, I wouldn't be mad to promote Terrell Austin. He's a yeah. fiery guy. As long as there's an organiza- organizational change in philosophy, like, for example, the, the Levy thing going on right now. I don't know if you're hip to that, but th- they won't disclose what's wrong with Levy. Don't you think at this point we should know if if a new injury is popping up in the injury report? Yeah. He goes, well, it's going to hurt our opponents. Well, if he's not playing, or it's going to help our opponents. If he's not playing, it's not going to help your opponents because he's not playing in the game. Right? And how are they going to target him if he's not playing? It just doesn't make sense. And that's, now, that's honestly, reflective with on the culture. It's, it's a culture thing. And by the way, side note on Levy, I wouldn't be shocked if he never played a game again in his career, personally, but that's a story for a different time.
2: Yeah, that's a deep dive. Um, yeah.
1: You got a uh, Joe D of the Week?
2: Uh, my
1: Joe D of the Week... Is it's an easy one. He's actually the Joe D of the last two years. It's Ken Holland. I'm fed up with the shit. Um, I don't think the Wings are bringing in a good camp, a good team out of camp here. They just lost two very, very good pieces for free, for nothing because they oversigned the summer and they it's oversigned guard. I've got
2: comments on that too. Save it for the Wings. Okay,
1: for sure. But my, we'll, we'll we'll get to the Wings talk. But I'll elaborate on it further. But Ken Allen is my right. Joe D. D. Now, of the the, week for sure. it seems
2: like there's a, there's a clear top class of the NFL. you got the Vikings. Patriots are right there. I mean, before, b- before we even start that. And then the Lions so confusing. They beat a good Philly team. If they beat a good Philly team, if they beat the fucking Bears, if they finish that Titans game, all of a sudden, the look of the season is completely different. We're not having that, Caldwell. It's, yeah. It's disappointing to look like it's already, with how good the Vikings and the Packers are, it's just it's over.
1: Well, I don't think the Packers are that amazing. They're, human. They're not. The Vikings have proved that. But I think that the, the, the what's crazy about the NFC right now is it's so lackluster that if the if the Lions went on a run before the bye, if you end up beating the Rams, if you go into Houston and beat the Texans, you can go to the bye five and three or or uh, older byes in week ten. So maybe five and three, five and four, or at least with the five over five hundred record. You can be in good shape there, you know. You yeah, be, I mean, you can be in it to win it, but you, you can't think it ten, a ten. Does a ten win
2: season get you in the wild card this year? Probably. I think.
1: I mean, keep in mind the Packers got in with nine wins last year. I think that could be similar this right. year. I think nine wins could
2: could. I mean, who's who's good? Season. I think what it looks like the Cowboys are good. The whole
1: AFC or the whole NFC West between the Rams, except for the Niners. So the Rams, the Cardinals, and the Seahawks, I think, could all be in it. Um. The uh, the yeah I mean the Cowboys are a surprise the Cowboys and Eagles are going to make it interesting.
2: Uh, who do you I like in know, the South? I mean, it's, uh...
1: South is I I don't trust the Falcons yet.
2: I don't trust. Um, any. It'll be. I it seems like that'll be a one team division. Whoever the fuck finishes that. Um, mm-hmm. Meanwhile, on the other side, the Steelers are stellar. Patriots obviously are a fucking force with Brady back and pissed. Um I don't know. I think Indy sucks. Probably the Texans win that division, right?
1: Yeah. I don't know. Indy's starting to make a run here. They won some games, but um I think they've only won one game actually. It was just Jacksonville.
2: And then you got regardless. F- and then you got fucking the Raiders, Raiders and, and Broncos. Uh Ross, that's a good division. I like that that Raiders team and mm-hmm. are, I think. They- yeah,
1: the the Raiders look like they have a shot of getting in right now, as it stands.
2: Everyone's favorite segment, does he fuck? Talking fantasy football, who's legit, who's not? Let's check in on a couple guys we talked about last time. We talked Odell Beckham, who's had a a was in the news quite frequently these last few weeks, and Jordan Reed. What are your thoughts?
1: So Jordan Reed, I had him on the DNF list, and uh, right. of course, sure enough, he came out and had a two touchdown game that following week. But I don't think he had a good game this past weekend against the Ravens. And then on top of that, I don't know if you heard the news, but he was experiencing concussion-like symptoms today, and he's probably going to be out this week. And that's not good for a guy that said recurring.
2: That's right, I forgot. The NFL cares about their players. They care about the safety of their players. And, you know, concussion symptoms, he could be out weeks with something like that, you know? They, yeah. they really do. They, they love the NFL. I forgot. Sometimes I forget. And then I see the pink. They love women. They love their players. They love, you know.
1: Yeah, shouts to Roger. Shouts yeah, to shout Roger. To, no, Roger. Just so, on the field. They're going to.
2: Thank you, Roger. Thanks, thanks for letting the players be them. Thanks for being in touch with the world because marijuana is as bad as beating women. Thanks. Thanks for staying on that. Thanks for giving them a shout, the uh, women a shout out for one month of the year, and uh, thanks for really making sure your players are safe, buddy. We love you, Raj. We love you, Raj. Keep being you. Um. So I think it's. Uh, well, I'm not sure if you made your determination, but I think sometimes, as we've discussed, that Spartans can fuck so little and have so little fucking that they mask people who do fuck, and they get caught up in the DNF tornado if you will and Kirk Cousins sometimes does such little that that maybe he drew Jordan Reed in, but I think deep down on his own, JR fucks. I still
1: th- I still think Kirk Cousins is on the uh is on the DNF list as well. Oh I, yeah I think he's an illusion. Um and yeah for for now Jordan Reed it, it seems like he's not going to be doing any fucking maybe even for the year. We'll see what happens with this convention. Yeah.
2: Unfortunately the uh, re- fantasy receivers are only as good as the guy throwing the ball. Sometimes, but what about Odell? Another similar situation with the quarterback. who Can't fucking figure it out. I don't know why. But so
1: he st- he still had some good weeks sprinkled in there. Like he still caught a hundred yards. Against uh, against what's his face? He had the touchdown to save
2: the save his fantasy day last time. He did.
1: He had the touchdown last week. I mean, obviously the Vikings' Xavier Rhodes is a top three corner in the league right now, so he shut him down to like four or five points.
2: I saw some crazy stat with the Vikings' defense that like DeAndre Hopkins, like all the star receivers they've seen, like Hopkins, Odell, uh, Aj Green, or something. They all like they have. Will Fuller, they all have like five combined catches. They just shut yeah. them down. that like that, That's the Xavier Rhodes
1: factor right now. And, right. and Odell got a taste of that and another guy that frustrated him. I mean, if you have Odell Beckham, you're starting him no matter what. He's still yeah. in your best. He's still giving you nine plus in two of the last three weeks. And he's got some favorable matchups coming up within the division, I think. So Eli, I would Eli say, and, you know, Eli's been playing Aaron. on a
2: drop like a droppable level. I don't understand how he hasn't figured it out. He's he's been a mystery basically his whole career. Why did do, he doesn't have Oh for sure. Here. He's the anomaly,
1: especially but with that manning blood figure,
2: Is Victor Cruz still healthy?
1: Uh yeah. What's been going on with Victor Cruz? I know Shepard didn't have a touchdown the year.
2: Shepard is an unbelievable third receiver. You've got our, what, a generational talent in OBJ. You can't mm-hmm. get him the football? Get him the football. I you know, that's, the, like.
1: that's the main part of the problem and that's what, one of the reasons why I still lean towards the fuck side uh, I still think he fucks because they haven't given him the targets and once they give him up the targets for him it might be a little different but uh, he's close he's teetering and he could be DNF in the you know, two three weeks time so we'll see
2: okay um, Lamar Miller and Matt Forte
1: um, Lamar Miller does n- uh Lamar Miller fucks. We're going to put him on the fuck side. Uh, I soft. think he just had a soft. slow cock here. Soft. Just a gentle. And, and, um, on the other side, I don't think that Matt Forte fucks. Bilal Powell's carries have been going up in the last couple weeks.
3: You're he's still starting up. them
2: both? Um... um I don't think those guys – I guess if you're in like –
1: Lamar Miller, you're starting. I don't know about Matt Forte. And you got to keep in mind that they love to toss the ball
2: around and uh, right uh for the Jets. So I, I would say – There's so few good running – how no many there. good so fantasy – there's like fucks. ten, five maybe good fantasy running backs. It's just yeah tough to get any consistency other than that top tier of dudes.
1: Um, no, there's, there's not many. And they're inconsistent too because some – some teams on on different days are committed to running the ball, and then that ne- the next week the same team could just want to toss the ball all over the field. So okay. they're very inconsistent on top of that, which sucks.
2: Okay, one more for you. Um, Matt Ryan. Ugh. This is a tough one because he's
1: put up these – video game September numbers before. Oh, that Julio Jones
2: game was insane. I was playing against the guy who had Julio and Matt that night. It was Mm -hmm. so over.
1: (laughs) So in my league, um, the guy who had Matt Ryan had him on the bench, and the guy who had Julio was getting destroyed so much that he still ended up losing, which is incredible to me.
2: That is the (laughs) Desi Funk brought to you by Fantasy Football. Other segments, testing it out. Fans, tell us what you think. Weigh in, throw in your picks. The Joe D of the Week, the Does He Fuck section. You can ask Mike and I on Twitter. Ask us if they fuck or not. We did the Joe D of the Week. Who shouldn't have a job? Let's go to very, very hot right now. Let's go to the Bone Zone. The guy named after the infamous kenny bone america's hero that's to God. kenny bone shouts out to
1: the energy crisis
2: <laughs> shout out to the energy crisis and the young sung heroes of the world this is the bone zone who's in the bone zone is the guy who needs to step up and deliver um who do you got mike for me the the first
1: nomination of the bone zone is going to be Henrik Zetterberg of the Detroit Red Wings He needs to have a big year this year in order for the Wings to get into the playoffs because they're going to have to replace Pavel Datsuk's functions and his goal scoring and his production. So I'm putting a lot of pressure on Henrik Zetterberg, and he hasn't lived up
2: to the hype in the last two years. So you're in the bone zone, Henrik. Season in the starts bone- tomorrow. In the bone zone, the season's underway. Um, I'm on, I'll go the same with the approaching basketball season. I think Stanley Johnson's in the bone zone. If he's going to make the leap to an elite, elite level player, if he's going to be a guy that can be a major piece in a, in a playoff contender, he's got to make the leap this year.
1: And he was great last year, Stanley. But uh, one thing I want to point out with him, with Reggie Jackson falling for the next six to eight weeks, right. Stanley Johnson is capable of running the one. He could be a point guard. So he can have a good chance Let's to see, uh, step up. get out of the bone zone in the next couple weeks. The here. talents
2: there, it's a, the Detroit's a trendy pick, actually not so much. Vegas odds all different with their over-unders because of that Reggie injury, which sucks. It sucks. Because we're yeah. – how many – we'll get into the Pistons later. But we got, in summary, in the bone zone, we got Hank Zetterberg, Kenny Step up, and on the flip side, a guy beginning his career, Stanley Johnson. Time to step up and go full Kenny Bone, guys. Um, okay, we got the Slim Shady D move of the week. Slim
3: Shady, brain dead like Jim Brady. I'm an 80 You little like that Kim lady. I'm buzzing, dirty dozen, naughty rotten rhymer. Person that you play is worse than Morty Schottenheimer. Which,
2: obviously, you can sense the Detroit theme. Nobody gives less fucks than Slim Shady. Easy easy for me this week. Um, I guess he's going to be a nominee every week with a Jim Harbaugh because of, there's very few fucks that he gives, but the amazing move to run the fake fake extra point up 27-0 as a big solid middle finger to the Ohio, former Ohio State coach on the other sidelines, coaching the current, looks like a Division 1A team over there at Rutgers, and... People give him, are going to say that he was running up the score and everything, but what are you going to? You can't call your dogs off more than throwing it two times in the second half. But you know why he went for two house, right? Well, I I know why he went for two. I know what the calls were. I guess I don't know why. I know that the calls for the first four touchdowns they wanted to try out that extra point, and the call is to the fake is on and. Depending on how the defense lines up, the holder is going to make the call to audible to the extra point, which is usually the call. The first three times he did that, the fourth, I don't know if he saw something or if I was like, just fucking run it. Uh, they, he did not audible out and he ran it. So <laughs> technically the first four touchdowns, any one of them could have been a, a little wrinkle in the multi-layered, multi-faceted Harbaugh playbook.
1: Okay, that was all good. That was a great explanation, but that wasn't the answer I was looking well, for. You're looking for the why, not the... The h- reason why he went for two is because he couldn't go for three.
2: Exactly. Because if he could give less fucks, he would go for three. It's... There should be... What's, what would be if you had to come up with a going for three? Besi- I, you'd have to, I guess, either move it out or make them pass it in or do something crazy? What would, yeah, maybe move it
1: out, maybe move it out to like 15 yards or 20 yards.
2: Fifth, that scoring from the 15 on like a fourth and goal would be very different. Put all your guys in the end zone, essentially, <laughs> it'd be hard to move, but the, the fabled three point, you're never out. So that would make one possession games, uh, the nine point <laughs> nine points away. It's a, it's a, yeah. Goal. Make it like the 18 oh. yard
1: line and put like a yellow line instead of a oh, white yeah. one and then the three, call it the three point
2: line. from downtown. Exactly. Um, <laughs> also if you if you score a touchdown from beyond that you have the option of just foregoing the extra point and taking the one because the touchdown was dope. Yeah. That's another wrinkle, you know. We're just I'm just an idea guy. I'm not a connect the dots guy necessarily. Just we're just trying to make thing. football great again. That's just all we're train trying to do. Well, maybe listeners, big-time listeners of the podcast, we just threw out a way to change the college football playoff system. We're throwing out potential game-changing rule changes. Uh, maybe turn-in. Huh, just saying. Um, but that's the DGAF move of the week. Clearly, it's tough to give fucks when you're playing a fucking Division II team. But Harbaugh, always going to be a nominee. Who you got? My DGAF is going to be from a couple
1: hours ago. Happy we record a little later so I can accommodate him. Rookie Austin Matthews of the Toronto Maple Leafs lighting the lamp tonight in his first career first shot. game. First career shot on goal was a goal. His second career shot on goal was a goal. Wait, I didn't
2: know about the second shot. Oh, no, no, way. no, Second,
1: second shot went in. And he was the number one pick, right? He was the number one pick from Scottsdale, Arizona. I don't even know how there's ice in Arizona but anyways you know he ended up with four goals tonight right
2: did he play he didn't play college did he
1: no 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 he should have been drafted a year ago but uh he missed the birthday cutoff so he spent the last year in Switzerland it's a horrible feeling he was in Zurich Switzerland for a year and he was lighting it up last year in professional hockey in Zurich so he's ready to come over this year
2: that's so legendary how old is the kid
1: 19 years old oh good god incredible he scored four like, goals hit, tonight Toronto's hit hot the right record. now he broke the record for goals in someone's first career game with four goals
2: and just making it more impressive is that he <laughs> the first two shots that's unbelievable mm-hmm. hey the Michael East have sucked for a long time um but the six is hot right now Drake and the six is hot hot chicks hot techno music a lot of Blue, woes a lot of Jays, woes Blue Jays looking good Raptors made the fucking finals the six is hot. All mm-hmm. oh, the Argonaut. Put all your stack in the six. Put all your stack in the six. All the stock. Uh, I'll be going there in a few weeks, Halloween weekend. If times up, the Jays make it. I'll be at a World Series game in Canada, where anything goes. Beers are flying, both on and off the field. Uh, it promises to be an electric, electric environment, and I'm not just talking about the techno at Coda. Okay, final segment of the pod because we got to get going here. um Hot topic beyond the state of Michigan, I guess could be in the state of Michigan, but relevant in the sports world in general, or just the world. We can go, we can branch out there. It's a new segment, new show. But right before we started recording the pod, after South Park had a few minutes, and HBO was on, you had Brian Gumble and Co. Real sport, the Real Sports Squad diving deep into. Technology with the umpires in baseball. And as I immediately dismiss it when I see it because as an umpire for many years, I mean it's might not be America's most popular anymore, but it is America's game. Deeply rooted traditions. The umpire, a staple in American culture is the umpire behind the plate, calling balls and strikes. Wait, did uh, you say you were an umpire? I was for many years and some of my oh, friends wow. still do it. I didn't know that. It's it's great. Uh the one summer I was back, I did a few games, um like during law school. It's if we got a great gig, it's uh the fed ball 50 bucks they give you before the game even starts for less than a couple hours work. Um did it for many years, little league and a couple years doing that. It was a great side gig if you have thick skin. I had some uh <laughs> questionable calls here and there throughout the day that still haunt me but for for the most part i i enjoyed it and we we'll, we could get it deeply into the antics of when i had to toss fans and everything like that but real sports talking about this so i immediately dismiss it but then they go into some of the stats and where technology is and as you know that the technology has had a bigger influence lately cuz they're going to replay it slows down an already very slow game but you get it right i think people say it's a good sacrifice especially come playoff time when you're talking balls and strikes having to make so many hundreds of decisions split decisions a game and umpires just aren't going to make all the right calls and there's sometimes where the computers who know exactly where it is make obvious expose obviously bad calls and they were showing some of the data of of pitches that were are right on the boundary a ump is eight times more likely to right on the edge even if he's trying to be neutral to favor the home team because they're just humans and subconsciously one action one action they could do and and 50,000 people go nuts and cheer and think you're the best you do the other action they all want to kill you so the subconscious is there and just how many mistakes are made, and then, <coughs> then they dive into like tangible examples of in the playoffs last year, game-changing, series-changing, World Series-changing calls that like a key walk loaded the bases, walked a guy in that were just clearly missed. And okay, still my okay, it got my attention with the stats and everything. Then I just had no idea how they would operate in practice. The guys that run the the strike zone system. They do tests every year in minor league and they actually do a computer called game and here's how they do it. It's not like there's no umpire there. The umpire is still there. They have the on-site crew set up and they're in the umpire's ear. They're sitting in the booth, they immediately make the right call, they hit a button and they're in his ear, strike one. And he immediately makes the call 100% strike zone accuracy the entire game and to the the viewer, nothing's different. He's making the call immediately after they're in his ear. So it's literally, the experience is no different, but it's just exactly right. And that medium ground, I guess I always pictured if they're going to call balls and strikes on the computer, there was going to be no umpire there, I don't know, some sort of lighting. Let me it's, ask you a question it futuristic, quick. but does, this system... Does the, viewer,
1: seems, does the viewer know? Does the viewer know that there's someone in the
2: umpire's ear? No, especially, I mean, it's a minor league game. No one in attendance knew, and no one could tell at all. If you didn't know, you wouldn't. You had no idea. He, no. They're in his ear. Exactly. And exactly. instantly, they have it timed up. So in his vision, in the outfield, there's a there's a light that as soon as the computer, even before the guy in his ear can say strike, picks up a strike, it flashes right. So you've got that and the guy in the ear, strike one. And nothing lights up for, nothing happens for a ball. And the umpire's there, just watching games, can concentrate entirely on managing the game and making correct calls uh, at home plate for, you know, out and safe. And it's literally seamless. That, it seems like a no-brainer. And to have it known that every strike and ball is accurate in, in games that mean so much... I don't know. It'd be tough. So then then they cut to seasoned, retired, I think it was Crawford, seasoned, retired umpire. And obviously he's weighing in here. He's like, no fucking chance, no way, that'll never work. He said that Major League Baseball now, every, after every single game, they give a disc with every call to all the umpires, and they're supposed to review it and try to get better, hone their strike zone and everything. And he said every game his entire career, he would crack it in half and throw it in the garbage, and he never watched that shit. And that umpires are so good. The pro-level umpire, and it's true. He's like, he thinks guys are are calling perfect games on the reg. I didn't see those stats. I wonder if, you know, they have the stats. How many umpires, if that even happens, where every single ball pitched no all accurately? It can't be true. There's no way. But I, I, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I guess I never pictured... I always think that'll never happen, but how I saw that operation run where you literally have no, the product on the field is the exact same, except for, you know, that every call is right is, I don't know. It's, it's taken a big part of the game. What do you think? Well, the,
1: there's always been an emphasis over the years on the human error, And I think it's time we shy away from the human error. They always say that the umps want to get the call, right. But it makes you wonder sometimes if they truly do want to get the call right, because you just said it yourself. This ump thinks they're batting a thousand on calls. There's no way every single game. And I think if we have the ability to get calls right all the time, there's no reason not to do it in 2016. There's There's no no reason not to do it.
2: And it would be nothing. It would. And and the guy that was testing it out, the guy behind the plate. I mean, he's the big proponent of it, and he's not an umpire, right? He has no experience, and he's just sitting there. Right behind the plate in the action, looking like a pro, and makes the exact right call every time. And he was just, like, fucking around with, <gasps> and all these different strike calls, and having a blast, watching the game, basically, right from behind the plate. But really, you know, having as much responsibility as any of the other three umps, because he's got, mm-hmm. got a plate to watch, which is also backed up with instant replay. Yeah, but um, they
1: even miss tags and stuff like that.
2: Like, it's amazing how many they miss. E-
1: for tags and stuff like that now. and, and, and They are the best in
2: the world, miles. but it's so bang-bang. Um, and ultimately, what, you value the two evils here, and I think that walking away, knowing that the call was right 100% of the time is the way to go. You, They actually won the game. He actually struck out. He actually walked. Versus, oh, I wish every once in a while you got a, a bad call in your favor. That's part of the game. Fuck that. No, you shouldn't have to haggle for the right call. Like it, it just shouldn't be like that. This so the, the it, company that developed the technology, the same company that developed the the online first down marker, which arguably is the biggest development in watching sports ever. <laughs> um I mean yep. right in this same thing. I mean, I think the most inaccurate I guess balls and strikes are right there, but the most inaccurate part of all refereeing in any sport, you know, besides the like gymnastics rating shit, is mm-hmm. the is spotting the football. Like yep. it's so where they have to make the calls from. They come
1: funny. up with something new every time. Like they come up, like it, do you think it's going to be so spotted there and it's spotted somewhere else? You're wondering how the so hell Bizarrely the inaccurate.
2: in a game where like the fraction of the inch over the line makes all the difference. Like it'd be so easy to put a tracker in the ball. And yeah. The, and, you, and you put it in the, field, like, the tracker would like light it. up when you have it at the exact amount that the ball progressed. And then you put the football down. That seems like an easy, easy system. You should invest in that, or design it. Get get yeah. Get uh, get some of our award winning listeners <laughs> to uh, to code that shit. I'm I'm am i I'm a big picture guy. I'm a, I need someone to get down to the nitty gritty. I'll I'll just make the big picture game changing moves and ideas, and we just need some other guy to put it in the action and draw it up and pitch it and all that other stuff. It's all it takes. That's all it takes. So all we are is <laughs> the complete execution <laughs> away from a, a game-changing idea. I don't think that seems it would be a much harder to implement than the umpire thing, right? Yeah. Um, oh, I'm picturing in my mind that there's a little light or something on the ball that he's moving in the general area, and like when it blinks, that's the exact spot to put it, and you lower it down. Um, I don't know. What other way could they do that? I don't know.
1: It's. I think it's something that has to develop over time. First, we need to shed the stigma that we need the umps first. And some of these guys have egos too, like when they toss out McGraw. Oh, like Cop- that guy that was just talking. Yeah, fucking- Crawford was was. That was one of the Crawfords, right? His be- brothers was the NBA ref.
2: When we get it, we need to go full back to the future to Jim fucking Jones and give that poor guy his fucking perfect game. There we go. Oh, and actually, that's not even. That's in today's society. We already have the review. That's a no brainer. Yeah. How many years after? That was a couple years. That later. was like the straw that broke. So the review I mean, was what? Two years ago or a year you ago? Think that that a call like that and had to have influence on the ultimate decision. So five
1: years. Five years for Galarraga.
2: had to have an ultimate influence on the ultimate re- implementation of the of the instant replay. Because that's yeah. like a straw this poor guy should have had a perfect game.
3: Maybe no, it's gonna take crazy. like
2: maybe the Cubs get America's sweetheart, the Cubs get eliminated on a call that should have been a strike. I don't know. What's crazy
1: is Jim Jones is the stand or Jim Joyce is the standard for umpiring too. So the fact that he was the one that missed the
2: call. He was so broken up about you. it.
1: Yeah, he he knew he did wrong. That's why, you know, he took he, he became the story. And you don't want to do that. Right. And that's why I think we need it's to. It's close, move and it's the
2: perfect game just fucking call him out. That's all mm-hmm. I'm saying to myself as the first base umpires. If, yeah, if they say tie goes to the runner, they
1: say Ty goes to the runner, but in that situation, the tie should go to the fucking perfect game.
2: Yeah. Ugh. Where's Where's he these days,
1: Galarraga? Oh man, does he even exist anymore? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, he's not the show. I know that. That's
2: it. The Pure Podcast. Uh, we got a bye week coming up. Um, maybe we'll check in next week because we still have to do a full wings and Pistons preview. Oh, yeah. It's oh, and my buddy also <laughs> made an Alexa app that you can ask Coach Harbaugh, ask Coach Harbaugh for a quote, and he has a ton of Harbaugh quotes, and you can say, hey, Alexa, ask Coach Harbaugh who's got it better than us, and it'll respond nobody. <laughs> I snap in, in Harbaugh's voice? No, that'd be great. But it's tough to complain when Jim Harbaugh's your coach and the Wolverines are undefeated. Am I right?
1: Sounds good to me, yeah. Who's got it better than us? I think that's what the term we're looking for. Uh, nobody.
2: All right, see you next time, buds.
1: Goodbye, guys.
3: Still ain't call the road, I hope you have a chance I ain't mad, I just think it's fucked up you don't answer fans If you didn't wanna talk to me outside the concert, you didn't have to But you could've signed an autograph for Matthew That's my little brother, man, he's only six years old We waited in the blistering cold for you for Four hours and you just said no That's pretty shitty, man, you're like his fucking idol He wants to be just like you, man, he likes you more than I do I ain't that mad though, I just don't like being lied to Remember when we met in Denver? You said if I write you, you would write back See, I'm just like you in a way I never knew my father neither He used to always cheat on my mom and beat her I can relate to what you're saying in your song So when I have a shitty day, I drift away and put them on Cause I don't really got shit else So that shit helps when I'm depressed I even got a tattoo of your name across the chest My fans. This'll be the last package I ever send your ass been six months, and still no word I don't deserve it I know you got my last two letters I wrote the addresses on them perfect So this is my cassette I'm sending you I hope you hear it I'm in the car right now I'm doing 90 on the freeway Hey Slim, I drank a fifth of vodka You dare me to drive? You know the song by Phil Collins in the air of the night About that guy who could've saved that other guy from drowning But didn't, then Bill saw it all Then at a show he found him Kinda how this is, you could've rescued me from drowning Now it's too late, I'm on a thousand downers now I'm drowsy, and all I wanted was a lousy letter of a call I hope you know I ripped all of your pictures off the wall I love you Slim, we could've been together Think about it, you ruined it now I hope you can't sleep and you dream about it And when you dream, I hope you can't sleep and you scream about it I hope your conscience eats at you and you can't breathe without me Some dude was drunk and drove his car over a bridge and had his girlfriend in the trunk, and she was pregnant with his kid. And in the car, they found a tape, but it didn't say who it was too. Come to think about it, his name was it was you. Damn.